This is the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast, episode number five. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of off-duty and on-duty law enforcement officers, giving you both angles of discussion. Today, I'm also joined by Hanny Mahmood, again, for episode five. And today, we're going to talk the gray man concept. But first, your sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timers. Every serious shooter, competitive, law enforcement, concealed carrier should have a shot timer to measure speed and accuracy on the range. The new Range Tech Timer is the most affordable, high-tech, and most feature-rich timer on the market. It's also $25 less than any competing shot timer. Range Tech allows you to connect to your phone via Bluetooth and gives you accuracy and power of a dedicated shot timer along with the advantages of online storage, auto scoring, and much, much more. Learn more at rangetechtimer.com. Honorary sponsor this week is EDC Belt Company, the most comfortable, functional concealed carry belt on the market. I don't just say that because I helped launch the company and design the belt. I also wear one every single day, as does my guest today, Hanny Mahmood. Are you there, Hanny? Let's bring you in. I'm here, sir. I'm here and wearing a belt. Oh, you are. You got the the latest one I shipped you. Excellent. So yeah, t- yeah. I, I needed a uh, I needed a COVID belt. Oh, did you get the COVID ten? Put on about twelve pounds. Yeah, so. I got the COVID ten ten right now. So, and it was uh, it was not comfortable dragging that around at this week's or this last week's festivities of dove hunting in uh, South Oklahoma down there by the Texas border. Got to uh, do a little fun-filled fellowship of uh, the knocking down of the uh, bird of peace. But well, it was... I'm glad you got to get out and do it. I <laughs> You'll have to come up one year. We have uh, we have two fellow uh, law enforcement officers from the greater Fort Worth area that are both retired that uh, both indulge in in each year's hunt and have for this was the 35th year. So so it was a good uh, it was a good time. Hopefully the. The bulk of our listeners are uh, are also pro uh, organic food harvesting. If you're not and you're a vegan, we're sorry, but uh, you can eat the rabbit food. I'll eat the rabbits. That the was circle a circle of life. The circle of life. That was a quote from uh, our our friend uh, Uncle Ted Nugent. He he said that one time. Yeah, you eat the rabbit food. I'll eat the rabbits. So so uh, today we were we were talking earlier off uh, offline there about the gray man concept and. This one, especially as a law enforcement officer, I think it's something that we kind of overlook. I mean, I know you teach a a concealed carry course for for patrol officers down there in Texas, and that's something yeah. that I don't think a lot of agencies focus on to any degree. Learning how to carry when you're off work, the gray man concept historically has been just blend into the populace. I have kind of adapted a. A, a second side of that is in the law enforcement realm based on the environment that I'm going into. And I think it'll make for some, for some good discussion, excuse me. And let's kick it off, man. So the, okay. the gray man concept, when tell me about when you were kind of first introduced to this and maybe a little bit of background on 
the gray man concept. Okay, so I think we should start with the general principle. The general principle of the gray man concept is that you are the guy that blends in. So that you, the idea is that you do not uh, stick out as a threat. You do not stick out really as anything. Right. And that's the idea. So that you can blend, and by blending, the idea is that it will keep people from recognizing that you are a potential hazard to them if they're a criminal, and that way they can't pick you out. And the, um, you know, the other part of it is that that means that you have the flexibility of, um, you know, are you going to engage or not engage, or maybe be a good witness without sticking out. So the whole idea, simply put, and I don't know, I really don't know who came up with the term. But, uh, yeah, the idea is that, look, just blend in your surroundings basically by the way you dress. Right. That's the general uh, idea. I think it was probably about 10 years ago or eight years ago that I heard the term. And I liked it immediately because it, it's easy to explain and encapsulate um, uh, the premise. But I think it was um, in the mid-90s. And uh, when I first was introduced to the concept, and I was in grad school at the time, you know, before I went to the academy, and I still, I don't, I, I wish I remembered the author, but I don't. But it was in a Harris publication that was uh, Guns and Weapons for Law Enforcement. Okay. And it was a great article, and the guy was basically like, hey, you know, when you're off duty, don't look like a cop that's off duty, and these are the things to avoid. And I, I took it to heart then, and and then I started, you know, getting into it more. Uh, it, but that was what, yeah, mid mid maybe ninety six ish was the first time I ever read something that actually addressed it. Okay, and um, it, it you know made great uh, points. Like these are common things that cops do uh, that you know kind of give you away. Right. I can tell you if you want to blend, like don't do. I can tell you the exact moment in time that I became aware of that concept. I can tell you the day that I became aware of it. And it was 627 of 98. So I reported okay. to basic. Yeah, no kidding. I re- reported to basic training on 626 of 98. I had, when you go through in processing in the military, it's like two weeks of just, you know, you're getting your hair cut or you're getting running shoes. You're they're They're transitioning you from civilian to like a military decorum. So, you know, you get issued uniforms and all this stuff and you're expected to be a part of a group. Right. And you're all wearing the same color clothes and you're all wearing the same color of shoes and hat and everything else. And, and you're learning all the formalities and, and it's really a lot of standing around and what we called hurry up and wait, hurry up and get over there and then wait and shots and records and all these things. And there was a particular national guard person that, that was assigned to every platoon and it was a, she, okay. So imagine there's it's Fort Benning and there's like 8,000 dudes and there's one girl and she gets assigned to lead my patrol or one woman, I'll say, Um, and she was actually pretty informative. She wasn't just trying to mess with everybody. She actually had some time hacks and things that we had to do. And she was really a lot of information. I can't remember her name, but 
something had happened and I kind of stood out from the crowd a minute. I said something to another, you know, another recruit there. And she goes, you need to learn to be the gray man. And I went, uh, you oh, know, wow. yeah, I said, I don't know what that means, Sergeant. And she goes, well, let me put it to you this way. If you want to get through basic training with the middle minimal amount of suffering, you're going to have to learn to just be there and nothing else. Don't be the first. Don't be the last. Just be, just blend in. And I said, oh, okay. And, uh, the culmination of that was the last week of basic training. Our lead drill sergeant is getting all of our stuff ready for our final inspection. And he looks at my gear and he goes, East, Eastridge, have you been here the whole time? And I, I said, yeah, uh, I, right. So I had like successfully achieved that goal. Like, don't be, don't be the best. Don't be the worst. Just be somewhere in the middle and look like, and do what everyone else does. And, uh, same thing when I went to army ranger school, I kind of adopted that, that modality of I'm, I'm just going to be here. And if nobody knows my name by the end of this, I've, I've accomplished it. So, so that was my introduction to the concept. And then going into law enforcement, I'd heard that a couple of times with, you know, guys that worked narcotics and some of the plain clothes things is they were trying to look like the environment they were in. And one particular officer, a little, little aside here, I walk into our, uh, property room, you know, where we store evidence and property safekeeping, et cetera, et cetera. And I look over and he has a mechanic's shirt on and it said, Don, that was the name that was on. It was Don. And I go, Hey, Don, I go, Hey, Don, how you doing? And he goes, good, Brian. And I didn't recognize him. I thought he was just a, a civilian down there to get property. And I look back yeah. and I go, Oh, Oh man, it's, it's, it's Johnny. Oh, Hey man. He, he had his hair kind of grown out yeah. and he had the mechanic shirt on, but he had like, like the odor of a mechanic shop. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. like there was some grease and a little bit of this and that. And I asked him about that. I said, what's the deal? And he goes, well, I'm working a chop shop, you know, working, doing, doing some face to face with some pretty bad dudes. And he goes, so, you know, I got a little grease under my fingernails and I, and I take some automotive grease and I, you know, I make some little spots on the clothes. And, and when I, you know, I don't, I like, I don't wash my hair. I don't wash that scent out of my hair. And that was like the all to the pinnacle of the gray man concept. You know what I'm saying? And that one really set in with me because I mean, this was a guy I'd known for 20 years and I immediately, I didn't recognize him immediately. And he even talked about that later. We talked about it, you know, over dinner. And he's like, he's like, that let me know that 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 was kind of one of the moments that I realized that my cover was so good that I walked into the police department and people I had known for years didn't recognize me. So that's uh, that's some pretty good, <laughs> some pretty graphic examples there of of the concept. Yeah. One of the things that I've become aware of, kind of by accident, is uh, what what I think you called it the second side of the gray man yeah. concept. Yeah. And the way I view that is, if I'm going into somewhere concealed carrying, that I want people to realize that I'm not them, but I'm not in uniform. And this is, 
this is something I adopted for the local shopping mall because it is a veritable melting pot of law abiding yeah. citizen and criminal and all points in between. And that is the time that I break out the cargo pants, the, um, right. you know, the, I won't mention brands, but a brand that maybe sure. has a, a, a U.S. flag subdued on the shoulder patch and maybe my favorite range hat. And two times I've been identified by people that I knew had been involved in criminal activity, but they didn't, they didn't recognize me immediately. But one of them said, you're a but cop. They keyed up, they keyed in on you. Yes, they did. And, you know, I'm walking around kind of in like condition orange. Like I'm constantly scanning pockets and waistlines and everybody that's around me. And two of them, two times walked, said, hey, you're a cop, aren't you? And both of them, I looked at them and just with the most, I won't say sarcastic, but the most confident yet completely bogus line i said no man i sell insurance and you know just the tone that i took both yeah. of them kind of took a step back and went oh that dude's probably armed and i'm not going to mess with him you know what i mean like but that was the mo that was the mode that i took to not necessarily kind of hide in plain sight because the average person walking through the mall went Oh, he just went shopping at the outdoor store, but the average criminal went, I'm not going to mess with that guy. He's liable to do something. So it was taking that, that concept of being the gray man and putting the element back towards, I'm not in uniform, but I still have, I still have all the tools with me to handle whatever situation you want to put upon me. And it's, what you're doing there is you're basically, uh, you know, doing the, the flip side of the, the flip side of the gray man, and it's a deliberate uh, way to project presence. Yeah, and, and for when we're off duty, sometimes we do want to do that. Yeah, I, but, uh, I, I didn't want to give the impression. Usually not. Yeah, I, I didn't want to give the yeah. impression that. I was, I, I'm a full fledged law enforcement officer. I wanted somebody that maybe looks like the hardened criminal or the, the above average criminal to look at me and go, I'm not going to screw with that guy. And, yeah. you know, I don't have a beard or long hair or any of that stuff, but I, I just had that. I had a little bit of what I like to call that tactical edge. And what's yeah. funny is once you become aware of it, in your surroundings, you will start to see other people that are concealed carriers and, and they'll stand yeah. out like a sore thumb. And, you know, you're talking the average law abiding citizen, but they, maybe they have a t-shirt on from a company that, you know, is a pro gun company, or, you know, is a, you know, a tactic, a tactically rooted yeah. company. And you look at them and go, they're probably carrying a gun. You know, yeah, or, or yeah. they're, they're a military vet that, that is obviously carrying a gun or, or carrying, they're armed. They're, they're a notch above the average dressed citizen. And I mean, a notch above in the way that you perceive them as they are probably somebody that has some tools or capabilities. So, yeah. 
So what, uh, let's talk about for the concealed carrier. That's one of the things that I've run into talking to concealed carriers is they'll show up to my class in the, uh, gunfight fantasy camp clothing. Is yeah. that like where, you know, they got the tactical cargo shorts, the, or cargo pants and the, you know, pardon me for introducing a brand, but like the Solomon shoes and, and there weren't a, sure. they just look the part of, you know, the, the pictures we see of like special yeah. forces dudes, you know, and maybe they have the beard and, and, and you kind of look at yeah. them and go, okay, that's cool. But is that how you dress when you go out into public? Is that the way that you tailor yeah. your everyday carry clothing? And um, I think I think uh, the contrast right there is, you know, the concept that we were talking about earlier about how for us sometimes, it, it, again, it's, it's a much, much smaller percentage of our uh, off-duty time where we are aware that we're projecting and we're deliberately projecting. But the, the, you know, the eight, the other, you know, 70 to 80% is, you know, we want to blend. Right. So in my opinion, for, you know, somebody that doesn't have a rest palette, um, I, I think, I, I believe that you should err on the side of trying to be gray man all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, I, we, we see it. We see, we see people out in public. And yeah, they, they, they stick out and it's, yeah, it's mostly clothing. Um, and, and you know, there's the phases, you know, and I've been through lots of phases. I, I went through the fanny pack phase in the nineties. Right. And, I came in on the tail you know, end of that in law enforcement in the early 2000s. Yeah. And you know, I started carrying a fanny pack in late 1990, early, it, no, it was 1991. Okay. And, uh, you know, this was in another state. And, uh, dude, uh, mine was bright red. Yeah. And, uh, the blended, uh, you know, uh, a lot of guys wore them because they, they were fanny packs. And by 19, even by like 1994, 95, it was, it was kind of like the joke was, if you see a fanny pack, it's a gun. If you see a fanny pack and a beeper, he's a cop. Right. Because <laughs> those were beeper days. And then after that, the big one to me was the, uh, was the photography vest. Remember that thing? Oh yeah. That, that was oh, kind yeah. of right when I launched into law enforcement, the fanny pack had gone by the wayside yep. and the yep. camera vest had become pretty prevalent. And yeah, everybody I ever saw at the shopping mall or the local, you know, grocery store that had a camera vest yep. on was missing the Canon and or Sony camera. So you immediately cue in on those people or the fish, the fishing style vest. And you immediately cue in those people are carrying a gun. Um, and I, Um, some of that I think was really brought to the forefront by IDPA. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. But I'll tell you a funny story that I just, I just remembered. Um, Tom given of range master that we know and love. The very first time I ever trained with him was, I think it was the year 2000. Yeah. And I, I was, I was, you know, like a year on, year and a quarter on. And it was, uh, it was in a, uh, it was in a suburb uh, in the northwest part of um, Dallas County. Actually, it was in Collin County, but it was in the Metroplex and the right. range is no longer there. Okay. Uh, so 
we break for lunch and we like half the class, like maybe 10 people, um, you know, all chose to go to the same restaurant. It was like a home style diner. Mm -hmm. And as we're walking in the door, the, uh, the, the waitress slash, you know, person who sees you, you know, after the sixth guy that walks past her in a photographer's vest, um, we, you know, I was like number eight or nine. And as I'm walking through, she looks at me and she goes, y'all about to go on a raid? <laughs> and it was like, oh God. I was like, okay. It's like her mind did the math. And it's like, yeah, these are a bunch of cops. And, you know, you know, if there's 10 of them, then, you know, that means they're going to go do something. Right. But yeah, her brain like put two, two and two together. It wasn't exactly the right answer, but it was the right answer in that he immediately knew all of us were on. Right. And uh, that's when I stopped wearing <laughs> Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. I had uh, I had a, a fellow officer, and I, I, I feel bad if he, if he ever listens to this. I'm, I, I'll go ahead and give the apology now. I'm sorry. Cause we were at the gun range and he showed up and he had a camera vest on and I go, are you, are you shooting some B roll out of here? And he goes, what? And I said, exactly. I said, there's two kind of people in the world that wear a camera vest. Those that are carrying guns and those that are photographers using 35 millimeter film because nobody uses that anymore. So yeah, which one are you? And he goes, well, that's to hide my gun. And I said, yes. And everybody knows you're hiding a gun when you wear that. So just a little like FYI. And he kind of got bent out of shape about it. And I said, dude, I'm yeah. not, I'm not busting your chops here. What I'm telling you is cameras take a micro SD card now, and you don't need all those pockets for film and lenses. So people yeah, automatically yeah. associate that with your carrying a gun, not to mention yeah. you've got on some OD green tactical pants. So I don't know right. who you're trying to fool. And he was an undercover officer and he kind of like took a, a, bit of a pause to it and uh you know later on we talked about it i said look i'm not i'm not trying to bust your chops too bad and uh, i i don't think i ever formally apologize so if you are listening jason i won't say your last name sorry didn't mean to hurt your feelings but uh that's ex like all of us that are instructors are pretty avid concealed carriers and and we all immediately we all kind of busted his chops about it you know because that was that was the 2002 look um, nowadays, yeah. what I'm starting to see with people that are looking at trying to get into the gray man concept and, and proficient concealed carriers is cargo pants, cargo shorts, and a t-shirt from your local veteran supporting organization. That seems to be yeah. the one that stands out the most to me. Um, yeah. I have a whole closet full, like t-shirts that are they're not they don't even they don't have any type of logo on them to to yeah they're just blank canvas even if i'm wearing the i won't mention their name because they're a major company and they're not really a gun supporting company but the the cargo shorts that i like to wear and the pants that i like to wear a lot they even if i'm wearing those i'm wearing a t-shirt that looks pretty uh, pretty subdued, pretty innocuous to the, to the average person. Although there are certain situations I go into where I want people to, to know, uh, that dude's got yeah. something 
and whether it be the demeanor that I portray and I'm not, you know, chest puffed up walking around looking like I'm in charge, but, but people key in on body language and other things like that, which is one of the reasons yeah, that I don't really travel out of the country much anymore. You know, the, the closing thing is, uh, is important. I think I'm glad you brought it up. It's important in two ways. In the one way, it's like, what is the clothing? And, you know, what does the clothing itself project? I think project is the best word that I can use. Um, but the other half of it is the clothing in terms of it allowing you to carry the stuff that you need, that you want to carry. Right. And um, with that, um, not just in terms of being low profile, what has been a real boon to us in the last... Um, Oh, you know, I became aware of it in uh, is gear that is deliberately made for um, uh, easy clothing, like a tourniquet, a, a pressure bandage, a a multi tool, etc. That are uh, particularly designed, you know, so that you can carry stuff like that. That. You don't need a, a like, BDU-style cardinal pocket to hold it. Yeah. Um, and, and all the way down to, uh, I think, um, I mean, there are, for instance, uh, you know, I didn't see this till about two years ago, and then I was like, okay, that's cool. And it was an ankle rig for a tourniquet. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. I think I'd get one of those. And so uh, around the concept, now there are companies that deliberately cater in that area. Uh, not just the clothes, like clothes that have extra pockets, but you can't see them. Right. Um, shirts that have extra pockets, but you, you can't tell. Um, uh, stuff that is miniaturized to allow you to have it in, in pockets um, and, and so on. So I, I think that... Um, uh, you know, if people do some research, uh, they'll find, you know, whole companies that cater to products like that. Right. And I don't carry very many of them, but, you know, there's there's three or four of them that I, I, I pretty much carry every day. Yeah. And um, when I started uh, years ago, the highest tech thing back then was the Israeli pressure bandage. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice square. And... So it was a bandage, and you wrapped it, but you could wrap it with pressure, and it it had a you know pressure pad on it. So that was a that was like the thing. You know, nobody, very few people were carrying tourniquets, especially in law enforcement back right. then. Um, things like that, and um, yeah, I, I think that um, we're lucky that we kind of have uh, uh, a we have good instructors who actually work that into uh, their curriculum. And there are companies that cater to it. Right. Um, Along with that, you know, we, we, I think we're kind of, uh, we're kind of in a heyday when it comes to gear related stuff. You know, it, companies are making guns that are, that are, that are viable options for concealed carry that mimic the platforms we carry for duty or full size training guns, et cetera. Uh, one of the other yeah. one of the other things I wanted to kind of touch on here, uh, you know, there is a lot of civil unrest and riots and people stopping cars sure. on the highway, et cetera. So I, I got asked the other day, I was like, man, if I'm in 
if there's a crowd of people blocking the highway, what's, you know, what, what are viable options for me? And I said, well, you gotta, if it's me, it's, it's all about the gray man concept. And I kind of got a funny look about, huh? And I said, now I know you can't blend with the, like the bur- purple hair and a nose ring or whatever, but what you can, you were supposed to laugh at that. No, um, <laughs> I, I know, was trying to put the mental image all together there. Right. I, you know, I can't, I can't blend in the appearance of somebody that maybe is a millennial because I'm 40 years old now. But what I can do is I can control what kind of stickers and bumper stickers are on my vehicle that maybe make me look like I am an opposing person to whatever political stance that they have and what i mean by that is if i have 14 tactical stickers and you know i hunt and all this other stuff and things that are counter counter ideas to what maybe a group of protesters is supporting then i'm less apt to trigger any of them to look at my vehicle and say that's somebody we need to go harass or or do our yeah our, our <laughs> well we've all seen it in the news we've seen this tactic right so if, if yeah. it's a matter of me getting you know getting in honking my horn and waving and saying yeah go you whatever if that gets me out safely yep and there's not a your political candidate 2020 sticker on my car then perhaps that increases my survivability in that situation. And maybe it deescalates the conflict that could occur. And I'm not trying to dissuade people from, you know, supporting their cause, whatever. But uh, I saw a really interesting article about these people that their the back window of their SUV is essentially a target package for a criminal. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Hey, we have three kids Absolutely. and a dog. It, yes, I do too. And I, I can't remember who posted it and I'd have to go back and do some research into it, but it was essentially, it was comparative to when I was in the army. We used to say, man, a guy goes and buys a new Toyota truck. And the next thing you know, his DD two fourteen is all over the back window with all of his awards and decor. And it, uh, it's, yeah, you know, or <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get yeah, you know, you'd see the 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 infantryman's badge and the blue cord and and the parachute wings, and we're like, dude, you, you yeah. you're driving your DD two fourteen. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and at that time it was pretty innocuous. Nowadays it it could be pretty contentious yeah. depending on the circumstances you're in. So, you know, my vehicle. It, it doesn't have any political stickers or it doesn't show a picture of my family in little caricatures or any of that. Right. Right. My favorite one is, you know, you know, like the, the family stickers and it's like, and it's like, uh, mommy and daddy are an AR and an AK and mm-hmm. the kids are like different pistols. And I'm yes. like, <laughs> You're, you're advertising for somebody to break your window right. and, and find out which carry gun um, is in the car, you know, the, which is a whole nother you know, you, topic. But. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, um, 
these, these two concepts kind of dovetail pretty well. Uh, yeah. You know, being the gray man and blending in and basically that you don't stick out. Uh, with the idea of civil unrest. Now, I'm pretty sure neither one of us is an expert on uh, riot control. I know I am not. That's you know, never I, been I, my I forte. Training. No, it's never been my you know, forte I, I, on I the PD. in that area, but it, it, it's not just training and more training. It's, you know, people that uh, study, you know, group behavior and, and how, you know, you project even when it's with, you know, um, well, I won't use our colloquialism for it, a shield and a baton. Right. Um, um, and, and helmet, actually, helmet and baton, and so on. And so um, I think these things dovetail together well because, for instance, a lot of the civil unrest stuff, yes, it could happen at any time. However, most of the time, it's not a secret. No. Uh, you know, people have to even that want to go do that stuff, they have to let each other know. And it's always either on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Some social and media so, platform, right? Some social media platform. And, um, you know, we were talking about this before, uh, before we started the show. You know, I have to look back to the ancient advice that came to this day, you know, from John Farnham, which is... The clean version. Stupid things in stupid places. You know, uh, at stupid times. Actually, it's a different order, but that's the concept. And I, it's like if you know that in advance, don't do those things, and you just cut out ninety percent of the hassle in your life. Right. And so I look at it as like the macro view of situational awareness. So our situational awareness is, you know, who is around me? Well, what are my points of ingress and egress? Things like that. Right. But the, to me, it's like the macro version. It's like okay, so let me let me just kind of look. Are there any protests? Planned for this evening in the city that I live in or the city I'm going to, that's easy enough to check. And you know what? Don't be there. The, the, the way to if win I every. Find myself, um, if I find myself, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, I'm having trouble getting my vehicle out of there, uh, you know, you know, being an instructor, you know, one of the most important things in our life is bottled water and. There's always bottles of bottled water in my truck. The first thing I'm going to do is roll down the window and hold out a bottle of water, you know, to hand to a guy. And thumbs up and get get on my way. I had, uh, I've had a couple of encounters with protests and, and people that are, that are. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're being violent, but they're, um, but they're very, they're very anti everything I stand for. And yeah. If it's a matter of me getting, you know, held up in traffic for a minute or me being involved in a deadly force situation, I don't care what I've got to say to make myself safe and leave there. If I've got to pass out bottled water and, and, you know, one of, one of our local, uh, district attorney's offices has had a number of protests outside and I accidentally drove down that road and I got to tell you, that was one of those moments that I said, man, Brian, why did you not practice what you preach now? Which is yep. you'll win every fight if you're just not there. Absolutely and, right. and I ended up in a situation where I'm stuck in traffic behind people. And, uh, you know, somebody walked out in front of my car. Now, this is a very small group of protesters. And they walk out and they're, they're holding hands up in the air and various deals. And I honk my horn and give them two thumbs up. 
and they let me through. And I went, Oh yeah. Whew, that was close. Didn't have to do anything more than just give them a, Hey, good to go. Thanks. Hey, you know, fight the power, whatever. But yeah. the bottom line is like you said, uh, John Farnham, you say, don't do stupid things in stupid places with stupid people at stupid times. And you'll yep. be just fine. And, yep. or, or maybe you won't be fine, but it will mitigate the risk of you having to take some action that could impact you for the rest of your life. And I think yeah, that's a I really know. good rule to live by. And that actually, I'll, I'll get a little personal on that story. That concept actually cost me my first marriage because I, I had a spouse that was not in tune to the concept of, we don't go there at that time for these reasons. Yeah. And the response I got was not, Oh, well, you're a police officer. And I understand that it was, well, I don't think that somebody else should affect my life that way. Needless to say that well, I agree with her, but I also think I should be six foot four. Uh, right. And, and my concept <laughs> was she, her, her mentality was, well, you're an armed police officer why wouldn't you? And I said, well, you know, you've heard the expression and an, an ounce of prevention, right, is worth a pound of cure. Yeah, yeah. So for me, and it really came to a head at a shopping mall where I was blended in Mr. Gray Man. And she said, hey, I want to go into this store. And I looked in and, and at some of the clientele and I said, no, something's going on in there. And we should let's just take a stroll around and, and circle back. And she said, what's the deal? And I said, three of those guys I have arrested. I have personally yep. put the bracelets on and taken them to jail. So no, I don't want to go in there. And she goes, well, I didn't do that. So I'm going to go ahead and go in there. And I said, oh, well, I'll be waiting out here. And then yep. as it turned out, there was a rival person from a rival, a rival neighborhood that was working there. And they started a minor riot in this store and here yeah. she is running out of it going, oh my gosh, I almost got hurt. I, why weren't you there to protect me? I'm like, <laughs> you know, you're a grown up. So, and, th and that's something else I look at when it comes to the gray man concept is if there's any way that I can avoid being in a conflict, then I've won every conflict because I've never, I've never, it, it's like warming up for the world series. I'm ready to go to the at bat and knock one over the fence but if I don't have to, okay, what have I lost? Nothing. So, yeah, I think, I think this needs to be, um, taught more, discussed more classes for, you know, people who legally carry a gun. I can tell you some of the, some of the, um, some of the things that you were talking about. Let, I, I, let me give you some examples that I, because, uh, about, you know, three or four years ago, we started teaching, as you mentioned earlier, we started teaching a, a, a uh, we call it covert carry or off-duty encounter. Right. And so in it, um, it, it has scenarios in the training. It has shooting skills in the training, but it also teaches them about what holsters are usable, belt, gear, what works. And the most common thing that I used to see was guys would, like, have a holster that we would absolutely consider either a range holster or a duty holster. It has no elements of concealment at all. And then they drape like a t-shirt over it. And it's like, 
there's no drape there, man. That that is either like a thermonuclear colostomy bag, or you're carrying a gun. <laughs> I knew there would you be know? one hannyism come out at least. There it went. <laughs> like Popeye, I am what I am. And well, uh, and I remember. Uh, um, so, for instance, we'd give them a discussion on belts, right? You know what? Like eighty percent of the guys who show up that class you know what belts they're using. Whatever they bought at the local box store. Oh well, yes. Okay, you're right. That's that's the worst half. Don't don't Other brand half. drop. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's it's uh, you know the our inner belt. Our, our inner velcro yes, belt. Yes, yes. Right? When you turn it outward, it, you know... It, it's got it a little leather like on leather the inside. Yeah. Right? And so, two-thirds of them, that's their off-duty belt. It, it, it's the underbelt underneath the duty belt. And it's like, okay, that might actually support the weight or whatever, but that, that, that's like a giant flag to me. I, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. And I was really surprised and uh, you know, so it was either the very cheap belt that is inappropriate, or they use the underbelt. And um, um, well, I've you know, got. A, I used to see that a lot. I've got to tell you, a lot of my inspiration for designing a purpose-built concealed carry belt that was comfortable was to target some of that market with uh, law yeah. enforcement officers. And there is a large percentage of people that. You know, typically when we train recruits, we wear the duty rig. And then when we go down the range, we throw on an off duty or a a concealed carry holster because we're on our feet for hours on end. And it's just not practical for us to wear a full duty, duty rig. And I have provided many, many a sample belt to guys that were like, man, all I got is my underbelt, dude. And if I flip it around, the Velcro is getting a little worn. And I'd yeah. go, well, I just happen to have your size in the truck. So, and, uh, you know, EDC belt company, I know I sent a box of, uh, one of the very first things I did when I launched the company was sent you guys, you guys instructor cadre, Absolutely. a bunch of belts because I, yeah. I designed this for concealed carriers, but the, the inspiration behind it was if you're an instructor on your feet all day, a ratchet strap, although it may look tactical, is really not practical. And 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 getting it into some people's hands that actually see the benefit of it has been really great. And I've been contacted by, I can't tell you how many hundreds of cops that go, dude, this thing's great because it's subdued and it, it goes along with my admin range gear. But uh, but that's a whole another whole another concept. Yeah. But but you're no, absolutely right. Different. What's that? Go ahead. What I was going to say, I said, this is going to sound silly, but here's my last piece of advice. Where where footwear you can run it. That's like one of my rules in life. Mm -hmm. So I I have a thing, and, you know, I guess it's a weird twitch, but I never leave the house in footwear that I can't run in. And those who know me know that I don't run worth a damn to begin with. (laughs) But I figure why handicap myself? Yeah, why so, make it harder? I love uh, the four or five brands of them. Uh, you know those sandals that have a real sole, yeah, and tread, and you know they go on with two pieces of Velcro, mm-hmm. and that's you know when I'm wearing shorts and a short sleeve T-shirt and sandals, 
and I look like the most non-top entities that could exist, what they can't see is, well, likely two very high-quality holsters that are hiding two guns very well, mm-hmm. a belt that is a great belt that does what I need, and it's covered over with a T-shirt, and um, and I'm wearing what looks like regular sandals, but they're really much better. And so that's what I, um, you know, it, I feel almost like, you know, your mom, hey, always have clean underwear on. My version is always have footwear you can run in. I have a, uh, my ex-stepkid, who I still have a, a really good relationship with to this day, and he just turned 13, and he still comes to see me, and we, you know, we have dinner couple times a month and one of the things one of the habits that i broke him of very quickly was we don't wear flip-flops when you come to my house and and he said why is that and i said because if we got a boogie that is not a good transportation method if you want to wear them from from my house to the pool that's one thing but if we go to the local stop and rob for a uh you know some type of beverage that is icy and sugary and flavored. We wear something that we can get out of town in. If we need to go beat feet, we can run in them. And now he comes over and he's like, I got my, got my sandals in my, my backpack. And the ones, um, and I even told him, I'm like, I don't care if they're, if they're open toed, but they need to be something that you can, you can boogie in. And that kind of goes along with, uh, the gray man concept when I, when I was traveling overseas a bit and I was scuba diving, uh, that was one thing that, that I really took to heart was I need to have some shoes I can move in. And I want to look like the local beach bum because I can't carry a gun. So I want to look like I'm just every other American here. Right. And uh, I used yeah. to travel to Mexico on a pretty regular basis. I've been to Fiji a couple of times. And the other thing I have found was even when I'm not armed I'm or with a firearm, I still find a way to make myself armed. And that could be uh, a glass bottle. That yeah. could be, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm here scuba diving and, and I had to move my gear. So I have my dive knife with me. You know, yep. or, or something of that, that that's that's innocuous to the general public, but to me yep. could be used for defense. And 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 I have I've kind of adopted that that second side of the uh, the gray man concept. That is kind of rooted in where am I going and what am I doing when I get there? Yeah, and. That one, I, I had the discussion. It's funny, you and I were talking uh, uh, before we started recording about this. I've had that discussion with several other people that I go, there are certain places I go that I want people to look at me and I'm unscrew withable. <laughs> There's, I'll, I'll save the profanity, but, but I want yeah. people that are potentially targeting me to look at me and go, that's not the guy I want to mess with today. That's a challenge that I don't want to look like as Daryl Bulky says, the wounded baby gazelle at the watering hole, but there are certain, there are certain scenarios and certain social interactions that I go to that I never want to look like the wounded baby gazelle, but I don't want to look like I'm armed. And that, uh, 
for the gray man concept, I think most people, when they hear that, they go, I just want to blend in. I go, that's, that, that's great. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, is that it, again, the one, the thing I'll key on is if you're not, it, it, you know, if you're not in the business of arresting people, whether on duty or off, then the, the, the gray man as much as possible, uh, I think is the way to go. Um, I, I would completely I agree could see with that. Sometimes where you might want to protect, but for me, I, I think that the vast majority of people that are not in a, you know, a sworn position, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, I can certainly think of examples where it might be useful, but in general, I, I would say always err on the side of being the gay man. Yeah. Always, always err on the, on the ability to blend into your surroundings. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's so obvious because, you know, like when we go places and it's like the three meat eaters in the room, all see each other at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of look at each other and you realize, okay, he's looking square at me. I'm looking square at him. And you kind of give a nod and, and you know, uh, I had that happen. That. I had that happen today. I was, uh, you know, being in, in bicycle patrol, of course, you know, I'm in shorts and a police polo and I look very mm-hmm. approachable and nice and all these things, you know, like I, I look like officer friendly, right? That's kind of the motif that, and it's by design. It's to make you approachable to the public. Right. The flip side of that is I went into one of the local restaurants that was near the the county courthouse right and i'm stopping in there for a for a little lunch you know and i'm gonna go sit down in the booth and as soon as i walk in like three heads turn and look and just kind of give me the the nod and all three of these dudes are they're well dressed they're in suits because they're obviously going to court for some reason and they were with an agency that wasn't mine so i don't i don't know them by name or face or recognition but I immediately knew when I walked in who the three armed dudes in the room were yeah. and they, they recognized me and there's, there's kind of a, a nonverbal communication that goes on there. And exactly. I think that, uh, as a concealed carrier, there are times that, that if you will key in on that, you will make the, you will start to understand some of that nonverbal communication, whether it be a head nod, you know, somebody looking at you over the top of their glasses as they're sitting there having a meal and you realize, okay, that, that person's probably on the same team as me. Um, whereas cops, that is something that goes on on a daily basis. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. You, you've, like you just mentioned that the, the three guys that are meat eaters in the room, they all know who they are right away and not, right not away. a word spoken about it. And I, I, I tell a, a lot of people that get into concealed carry that kind of look to me for guidance or, you know, the kind of guys that, that seek training and want to want to really I- embrace the concept of being an armed civilian is, it's a lot more than just the right gun and the right holster, right? There's a lot more to it. And there's some of it that you can only, you can only experience. You can't, you can't really train it. And, and that's one of those concepts is 
when I walk into a room, I'm not looking at people in the face. I'm looking at, you know, hands and waistlines and things like that. And then I'm looking at everybody in the face to see who's looking at me. And that's a concept that I, I mentioned just the other day to uh, a concealed carry friend of mine that's into concealed carry. And I said, the, the easiest way to know when people are, you know, are, are carrying a gun is they're not going to look you in the face. They're going to look you up and down and figure out what you're doing, why you're there, if they can see a gun. And then if you look at them, they're going to acknowledge you. It, it's almost ingrained as soon as you, it, as soon as you step into law enforcement is people's eyes don't assault you. Their hands do. Right. Yeah. So you're immediately looking for what's in their What's in their immediate grasp. Right. So, and that goes with the the gray man concept. I can remember the first time I traveled overseas is one of the things that I had to be conscious of was not to be scanning people immediately to, you know, to look them in the eye when I'm talking to them instead of giving them the cop scan because they would, people would key in on that. And yeah. uh, the first time I went yeah, to... And it- the, the, it, it also, uh, uh, it, it, you have to be aware of the mores of that particular culture in that particular country. Right. And uh, direct uh, eye contact is sometimes really not a thing to be done in some places. Right. And, and conversely, sometimes it is. So, and, you know. uh, the first time I, I'll give you an example. The first time I went to Fiji, I went through customs there at, at at Fiji and the Fijian airport security, which is like our version of TSA. He looks at me and he goes, you're a cop. I won't try to mimic his accent, but he said, you're a cop. And I said, well, how did you know? And he goes, well, the first thing he looked at was my gun. And I said, I, I did. And he goes, he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, well, what, what's kind of standard and customary here? And he goes, we all look at each other in the eye and we all greet each other on first contact. And I'm realizing that this guy, not only is he a cop, he's a tenured cop there. And he saw something in me that triggered him immediately. And he not only gave me the courtesy of, of, of identifying me before I got out in and amongst the populace, he gave me a little crash course in the local custom. Exactly. And he said, Hey, if you're a tourist here, when you talk to people, look them in the eye first, they don't, after that, you're, you're free to do what you want, but that is something they are going to key in on. If you're looking at people's hands, they're, they're going to think you're either a cop or you're a criminal because you're looking right. for something to take from them. And I went, thanks dude. And he goes, Hey, no problem. And, uh, as I was on my way out, he walks over to me and he, he, he greets me in there with their local custom. And I did the same. And he goes, well, thanks for paying attention. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, moving on. But the other thing I asked him when I was there was I said, well, Hey, I don't want to cause problems when I'm here. I don't want to be, I'm trying to relax on vacation. And he goes, wear your board shorts, wear a tank top. It's 85 degrees year round and relax. And, and so it kind of put me from like condition orange kind of down to white 
And he said, as long as you're on the resort condition, white or he didn't say it like that, but he said, just, just relax. He goes, if you yeah. go into town, greet people with the local custom and look like a tourist. And I said, okay. And he goes, because all of the cops here are told to take care of the tourists because they bring us money. They bring, you know what I'm saying? They bring, they, mm-hmm. they bolster the yeah. local economy. He goes, if you go looking like a cop, they're going to think you're some arrogant American that's trying to cause problems. And I went, oh, well, that's, that's some sage advice, you know, like, and here was a guy that was an airport cop, you know? And I mean, part of being a gray man is, or being in that incognito gray man mentality is keying in on some of those things that can save you in a situation in the future. That makes sense. Like being able to receive that information and actually use it. So, and that goes into a whole nother, we could do a whole podcast on, on how to blend into certain cultures, et cetera, et cetera. But, but that was one example that it really, I think saved me a lot of headache and heartache. So, but you know, uh, I think maybe like, uh, as we approach the end here, uh, I thought I had, um, that something I read uh, many years ago and you, you know, I have a, uh, a, a tedious habit of always giving attribution. I guess it's from having a history degree. And, um, uh, there was a, it, the gentleman has passed now. He was a writer, um, uh, named Dave Arnold. And he wrote in, you know, Peterson's hand guns, guns and ammo for decades. And he is a former Rhodesian. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, and he was a Rhodesian cop. And, um, you know, so I guess that would be up until 1980, but he, he, you know, the magazine had an article that was talking about, you know, different scenarios and this and that. And, and somehow, you know, one of the things was like, you know, what would you recommend to carry if you find yourself in a riot or if that, if, you know, if there's a potential for a riot and, and uh, in the article, he just said, I don't think it matters. He said, uh, if you're armed, you're armed. And he goes, the way it goes is you're right. If you have to use deadly force, you're going to use deadly force. And it's going to be done within two or three rounds. And everybody's going to scatter like the wind. Or it, if it is an efficiently hostile crowd and physically motivated, they're literally going to tear you apart with their, your hands. So having 15 rounds, will do nothing for you. Right. It's not an issue of, well, if I'm going to do that, then you know what? I'm going to carry an extra mag. You know what? That's not a bad idea. I like the idea of carrying an extra extra anyway. But, you know, if it is a um, a truly hostile crowd, not just 10 angry, loud people and 100, you know, can't follow. Sympathizers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's different than when you have an actual, you know, highly motivated mob that is extremely angry and so on. And so I, I read that 30 years ago and I never kind of forgot it. It was just like, yeah, you, you, you know, as a lone man and a handgun, you're, you can't shoot your way out of a mob. And I'm not saying that this counters any of the video that we've seen because we, we have yeah. video from, you know, starting the last few months. And yeah, there are guys that have gotten caught up and legitimately used deadly force and so on. Fact is, not that many rounds were fired. 
No. Uh, and that that's good. That's good for them. They were able to survive it and get out of it. But they didn't survive it because they had to use spare max. Because that, you know. Yeah, but that, avoidance. That, that's the thing that we, maybe just makes you feel better. Yeah, but avoidance. Man, if you can avoid yeah. that situation to begin with, why why take the risk? Why why endure the risk of that and just be the gray man? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that, I think that is uh, a stage advice for just about everything. Well, Hanny, I think uh, our next podcast, episode number six, we're going to be joined by Jacob Paulson of ConcealedCarry.com. And well, that'll I, be a pleasure. It will um, be a pleasure, and I've got to tell you, you're going to have to stay tuned for the topic because we discussed it, and it's in my show notes in the other room. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> victory favors the prepared, and tonight I was a little off the cuff, but uh, and uh, I'm just operating with very little intel. So there you go. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, <laughs> sign you out and do the outro here. And we will uh, be back next week with our guest, Jacob Paulson from ConcealedCarry.com. And we will likely be talking uh, law enforcement training and uh, probably something to do with the civil unrest that has occurred. A reminder, check out today's sponsor, Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timers. Get a shot timer. If you don't have a shot timer, you should totally have a shot timer if you're worth your salt on the competition range or the concealed carry, you should have a shot timer, period. Everybody should have a shot timer. Uh, I will tell you, I've been using the Bluetooth range tech shot timer. 25 bucks less than everybody else. Just get one. Rangetechtimer.com. Also, EDC Belt Company. We are launching a website. The website should be up. Sign in. Leave your email. We'll tell you when we release a new product. Right now, they are available at concealedcarry.com. All right. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We'd be happy to have you subscribe. We also have a website live, offdutyonduty.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you very soon. If you have a question, a comment, please feel free to contact us through the website, offdutyonduty.com. The Off Duty On Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC.